Amen. I tell you what, you just put kids on the screen, you can't lose, can you? We're so glad that you're here this morning. I know during announcements, Pastor Andrew talked about some of the things that are already happening with the Expand Your Reach program. So I wanna show you some pictures of some things that we've already been able to purchase and move forward with what we're doing to reach more people and to expand the reach of our church. So the first thing I wanna bring up is the Helping Hands refrigerator truck that is now purchased and it's already in action. They're now going to South Tampa every other Friday. So just know everything that we do is a tool to reach the lost. So as we give people food, we're meeting a need, but then we give them Jesus, which re reaches a greater need that they have. So there's always a reason by everything that we do. The next one is going to be the Southeastern University room that we purchased and rebuilt. This was just a junk room six months ago. Completely gutted out, completely remodeled. In our first semester, we have nine students in SEU, which is very, very exciting. We already have about five more that are gonna start in January. Pastor Andrew and Pastor Marcelo believe that by next fall, we'll see 25 students. We max out at 30, but it's very exciting to see young people there every single day, learning and growing, and they're, they're using their gifts around this community here at Countryside. So if you see SEU Countryside, those are students that are currently in our program, and on the back it says, I've come to serve and not be served. I think that's a great motto for us all to live by, don't you think? And the last thing I wanna show you is we've completely redone the basketball court at South Tampa. So it is now done with a soft court, first class, got our logo right in the middle. Every night it's filled with kids that are joining and participating, but they don't know what's coming. This is just a tool. This is a tool to draw people in, but our goal is to reach them with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna get them on those grounds. We're gonna launch a youth ministry in January. Last week, we wrote a check for $250,000 for all of the materials to completely remodel the South Tampa campus. And I want you to know how we're able to do this is because of your faithfulness. We've already raised nearly $400,000 of the 800,000 that we need. We still have another nine months to go. If God puts it on your heart to participate in something great, it's coming together that we're allowed to truly reach the Tampa Bay area and beyond. Can you say amen? I wanna welcome all those that are watching online right now. There's a lot of people that are watching around the world. You're part of our family, we love you. We want you to feel welcome as well. We're glad that you're here today. As you saw in the bumper video with the kids, each week we're gonna see different kids that are gonna tell a little Bible story on how God made a miracle, and God did a miracle in the lives of people in the Bible, but I want you to know the same God that we serve in the Bible times is able to do the same miracles in our times right now. The miracles are not over. I believe the miracles are just getting started. I was praying for a miracle yesterday when Alabama was playing Florida. And I was at a wedding in Brooksville, so I was listening on the radio. It's so hard on the radio. Gator's got it, no, touchdown, touchdown! No, he dropped it. What? When you're on TV, you can watch this. But they're down by two, and I, I find myself, I'm on my way home praying, God, do a miracle with these Gators. And then God clearly showed me, he goes, Glenn, 
That's not a miracle if the Gators win or whether the Gators lose. If they win, it's because they played better. It's because they made the plays. So there's a lot of people that have a misconception of what miracles really are. It's kind of lost its power in just everyday conversation where people go, oh, that was a miracle. Maybe you go to Dillard's during Christmas. Remember back when we used to go actually shopping and the parking lot would be filled? And then someone would pull out and it was just right at the time you were coming in and you're like, God did a miracle. I got a spot. Now, I don't want to bust your bubble. But what happened was there's a lady that pulled out because she was done shopping and she pulled out right at the same time you were pulling in. And so... I do believe in God's favor, and I pray for that all the time, but I want you to know that's, that's, not a, that's not a miracle. A miracle is when God does supernatural things in the heavenlies on behalf of us, his children on earth, to do miracles. And I believe in miracles, church. I believe that we have a God that does miracles today. So in the Bible, there are four different types of miracles that we're gonna be talking about during this four-week series. Next week, we're gonna talk about miracles of protection, how God does miracles supernaturally to protect his children. The week after that, we're gonna talk about miracles of healing. Now, I don't know why God heals sometimes and doesn't heal in others, but I have witnessed supernatural healings of God in this place and outside of this place by speaking the name of Jesus over the body of different people. We're gonna have a prayer service at the end of that day where we're gonna anoint everyone that needs a healing touch, and we're believing for God to bring miracles of healing that day. You think that's a pretty good idea, church? And if you wanna mask up or whatever you wanna do, or I could throw some of that oil at you if you're you know, in that, but... I believe that God is still in the healing business. The third week, we're gonna be talking about miracles of provision, how God provides oftentimes supernaturally to his people and does miracles of provision. Today, as we start this series, we're starting with this topic, and we're talking about miracles of deliverance. You know, when I said that, I, I think I heard Marilyn over here go, oh, oh. And I saw some other people go, oh, I guess it might get a little weird at Countryside today because Pastor Glenn's talking about deliverance and the unseen world and the powers of darkness. I want you to know, church, it's real. The spiritual battle and the spiritual war that we are in as believers is absolutely real. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was causing people and convincing them and convincing this world that he doesn't exist. People walk around thinking, oh, the devil's not real. Oh, demons, yeah, whatever. He's just this guy with a port, you know, the pitchfork and got the horns on, somebody we see at Halloween. No, the devil's real and demons are real. And Christianity is not a playground. True Christianity is a battleground. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, you can follow along in your notes. It's very clear here as Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus and he's challenging them to understand the true battle that we are all in as believers. It says we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies. We're not fighting against that boss that's picking on you at work. We're not fighting against that neighbor that you accidentally blew some grass into his yard and they freaked out. That's not our enemies but against evil rulers, 
and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. So what is a demon? What is that? Some people, they think, oh, that's just my dead uncle. He was so ornery on earth, and when he died, he had just run around causing problems for everybody. I want you to know, demons are not your dead uncle. That's not who demons are. Demons are fallen angels. We see in Isaiah chapter 14, where it talks about Lucifer, which is another name for the devil, and he makes five I will statements. Now these were very important statements because, because of these statements and the rebellion that he was in, it caused him to rebel against God, and this is what was said. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, it says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit and enthrone on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high God. See, there's only one true God. And when Lucifer came up, he was the worship leader in heaven. And he came up and said, I'm gonna be greater than you are, God. And he masterminded a huge rebellion in heaven where one third of the angels, when Lucifer was cast out, followed him as they were cast out as well. Most scholars believe that that one third of the angels that followed Lucifer and were cast out of heaven are who demons are. Just like angels. People, I, I, I hear it at funerals, they'll say, well, my, my loved one died, now they're an angel. They're, they're not angels. But if they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Father. They are in the place that we so yearn to be and we're homesick for in the presence of God in heaven. But people that have died are not angels. I just want you to know that. But there are two big mistakes that oftentimes churches make when it comes to talking about angels or talking about devils, talking about demons, talking about the dark forces of evil. And these are the two mistakes that oftentimes churches make. Number one, we overemphasize demonic influence. It could be overemphasized. I've been, I was raised in a church where it was very similar to just everything was the devil. The devil's this, the devil made me do this, the devil did that, the devil's that, that. Everything was the devil. I was walking around like, man, the devil is like killing me here. Everything. I'm broke because of the devil. <clears throat> I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, and I don't want to give you a Dave Ramsey course, but the reason you're broke is because you spent more money than you make. And maybe you went on a vacation you couldn't afford to go on, you bought two purses, one of them happened to be named after a coach. <clears throat> and now you don't have money. Not every problem that we have is caused by demons. It wasn't the devil that made me eat the entire pint of ice cream this week. And it was Haagen-Dazs, and it was vanilla, and I put these chocolate sprinkles on there, and then I got this thing where, you know, it's like a crunch thing, you put chocolate in it. No, it was caramel, and it crunches, it hardens up. See, that wasn't the devil that made me just, right then, I'm, I'm salivating as I'm talking about it. I go, pray for me. Pray for me, but it wasn't the devil that made me eat that pint of ice cream. It was my own fleshly desires that caused that. And so oftentimes, 
we can overemphasize demonic influence, but this is a big problem that most people make, and that's number two. We underemphasize demonic influence. While not every problem is caused by the devil, more problems than we realize are caused by the forces of darkness. There is a spiritual war that is going on for you, for your marriage, for your children, for your future, for your leadership, for your influence, for your ministry. The devil hates everything that God is doing for good in your life. And he's gonna do everything he can to put his demons on assignment to absolutely destroy what God's doing in you. So in your notes, what do demons do? First thing that demons do, demons tempt you to sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, and says that, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So sometimes when you hear the temptations in your head, and you hear these temptations coming to you, and it's saying to you, you deserve this. You should be, watch it if you wanna watch it, touch it if you wanna touch it, smoke it if you wanna smoke it, drink it if you wanna drink it, shoot it, steal it, it's fine, you deserve it, go for it. That was my best devil voice right there. Sorry if that was overwhelming. So on the front end of the sin, the demons are gonna tell you, you won't be, get caught, it's no big deal. Everybody else does it, you might as well do it too. But then on the back side of sin, the opposite comes. And the same voices that tempt you to the sin then pours out shame into your heart. God will never love you. You're such a piece of trash. Uh-oh, I can't believe you did that. You did that? How could God still love you? God will never use you. Ministry, you wanna be used for ministry and you did that? It brings doubts and it robs you and then it convinces you. See, the enemy's always gonna plant lies in our head. It's no big deal. Do it, do it, do it. Oh, you did it? You loser. You scumbag. That is what the enemy does to try to rob us of our call and rob us of our joy. Number two, demons distract you from God's will. 2 Timothy chapter four, verse one, it says, the spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. We hear it all the time. More and more people are saying this more than ever in my entire lifetime where you just do what you wanna do. If you have a heart after God, it doesn't matter the road that you take. It's all gonna lead to the same God anyway. I want you to know and I want you to hear this from Countryside Christian Church's pulpit. There is one way to God. The only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But the world, you turn on TV, they're telling you, oh, it's okay, you can be a new ager, you can have a little bit of Buddhism, you know, throw in your Sunday morning worship for Jesus, you can throw in some witchcraft over here. It's okay, mix it all up. You mix all that up, you got a mess. You mix all that up, you got a lie. And there's a lot of people in today's culture that are believing the lies of the enemy and they're opening their heart to the dark world. 
I want to give you an analogy. You know, at night, we'd like to have our door shut, don't we? The door is shut. We don't want mosquitoes coming in our house. We don't want robbers coming in our house. We don't want anything coming that doesn't belong. The door is shut and the door is locked. We're so quick to lock the doors of our house. I'm checking it all day long, is that door locked? My daughter walks out and locking that door. Why? Because I care about my family. I care about myself. I care about my stuff. I don't want anybody robbing me. But how are we when it comes to locking the door of our heart? You see, the enemy is looking for any way that he can to get a wedge inside of your heart and open your heart to different things that are gonna bring destruction and death inside of your life. So when you get tempted with that pornographic image, you think, oh, it's, it's no big deal, just open the door. Devil's beating that door down, just click on this. And the next thing you know, you have a spirit of perversion that then destroys your marriage. You know how many marriages have been destroyed because of pornography? Or you open up the door, well, I, I just feel better when I'm a little bit under the influence. I feel, and then it becomes a habit, and you open the door to exactly what the enemy wants you to open the door to. He gets a foothold in, slams the door of your heart open, and it's time for us to begin to take authority over those things in our life. Spirit of conversion, be gone in Jesus' name. Spirit of lust, spirit of lack, spirit of disease, no longer am I gonna walk, but I'm slamming. <laughs> but I'm slamming the door of my heart shut that the enemy is trying to kill, steal, and destroy in my life. Anything that gives you answers apart from Jesus is a lie. Jesus is the way, the one way. What else do demons do? In your notes, demons inflict suffering. There's a story about a father and a son where the son is suffering from a demon and is constantly trying to hurt himself. And the, the father's reaching out, I need help, I need help. My son is demon-possessed. And this is how Jesus handled that situation in Matthew chapter 17, starting at verse 15. It says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Jesus said, bring the boy here to me. And then this is what Jesus did. He wasn't scared like, whoa, poor boy. Oh, wow, he's manifesting, whoa, whoa. No, Jesus looked at him at that moment. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and the boy was healed in that moment. We have that same authority that Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit that rebuked a demon and the demon fleed is the same spirit that we have inside of us as followers of Jesus Christ. That same spirit is inside of you. But we have to understand, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come and pay the ransom for your sin and my sin? There are specific things and reasons as to why Jesus came to this earth. He came to give life and give life more abundantly. I've got a cough, so just excuse me a minute. <coughs> Sorry, that was the devil. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to serve and not be served. Jesus came for those, he didn't come for those that are healthy, he came for those that are sick. 
Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for the lost. Why do we do all that we do to reach people? It's because that's why Jesus came. He came for sinners that need Jesus. This will never be a church where we say, hey, sinners, we got a section over in the back property for you because the church people are in this sanctuary. Never will we be a church about that because that's not a church that's about the business of the Father. Jesus Christ is always looking for the lost, looking for the needy, looking for the hurting, looking for those that need a touch and need to be delivered by him. Jesus came to set people free. So that's what Jesus is all about. So what was Satan's mission? His mission is very clear in scripture. It says that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. So demons may influence depression. Depression is widespread like we've never seen it before. Let me tell you that the devils are having a heyday right now when it comes to depression, suicidal thoughts, feeling desperation, feeling hopeless. Those are not thoughts that are coming from Jesus Christ. Those are thoughts that have been influenced because of demonic activity. They're trying to destroy our marriages. Why do we fight so hard for marriages here at Countryside? Why? Because the enemy's trying to destroy them. Marriages and family are the foundation of our nation. When that is starting to break apart and tear apart, man, the very core of who we are as Americans are being torn apart. But greater than that, the foundation of the church is family and marriages. Marriages coming together, pouring into the next generation, building up disciples and raising disciples in Christ. That is what God wants to do. So why do we have sacred marriage with Pastor Dan and Andrea? Because we're in a battle. The satanic church, their number one prayer is that Christian marriages are gonna be destroyed. So they're sending to flight the demons. But what do we do? We're gonna combat it with the truth of God's word. We're gonna combat it with the truth. Our marriages are sacred. Why are we sending over like 20 some families, couples to a weekend to remember for three days? Wives, I wanna encourage you, elbow your husband on this one. This is two nights in a hotel. My wife loves that. In fact, right now she's in Tennessee visiting a friend. She loves to get away. So we've gone a couple times, it changed our marriage. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Don't just say this is the way it's gonna be. It's just gonna be this way. Uh, that's demonic influence. But you say, hey honey, I love you. Let's go have a couple nights in the hotel. And your wife's like, okay babe. <laughs> You're gonna get whatever you invest your time in. You invest your time and your effort in your home, in your children, in your family, you're gonna get the results. It's gonna come right along with it. So what do we do when we recognize that we're in a battle with evil? Here's what you do in your notes. If you are in Christ, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit fills you up at that moment and dwells inside of you. In your notes, you, you, me, you, have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. Demons flee in the name of Jesus. You see, we're not, we're not fighting with our own power. We're fighting with the power of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse one, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits 
and to heal every disease and every sickness. That same spirit dwells inside of you and I to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease of sickness in Jesus' name. Let me give you an analogy here. A police officer, our two police officers, I wanna encourage you, wave to them as you're leaving. Just put a smile on your face. When they stop you, don't look at them and go, (laughs) one more person. But you see, when they tell you to stop, there's usually a reason. Now we have the power, I've seen some of your vehicles. You have some big trucks, and we have the power to run them over and make them a grease spot if we want to. But we don't because that police officer has been given authority to stop us and because we're under his authority when he says to stop, church, I pray that you stop. But in our own life, we have the power to defeat darkness because of who we are in Christ And because of who Christ is in us, we have the authority that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ, to defeat every dark spirit in Jesus' name. I had a trip in 1995 to St. Croix. We did BBSs, it was a great mission trip. We were like Wednesday night of that trip. It was dark, we put up speakers and had a sound system. We did worship, did our dramas, had altar ministry. People got saved, and at the end, there was this probably 19-year-old man. He came to me, and you could tell he was tormented. His eyes were red, and he was just really down. So I just grabbed his hands, and I began to pray. And I just began to pray God would loose his spirit through him to lift oppression, to lift oppression. And when I said that God would lift oppression, he started shaking his head. And I'm not being dramatic at all and he started digging his fingernails into my hand. And so at this point, I knew this is a little bit beyond just a little prayer at the end of a service, that it's time for me to do what I've been preaching all these years. And so fear did not rise in my heart when this began to happen. And I looked at him right in the eyes, and I said to him, Satan, you are a liar. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would be delivered from this spirit in demonic oppression in Jesus' name. He's digging into me. I'm starting to bleed. And finally I said, devil, be gone in Jesus' name. And he yelled and did this, it was was weird, trust me, it was a weird thing. But he screamed and then went, and he looked at me and it was like looking at a different person. This person went from being tormented to being set free in a moment at the name of Jesus. We have authority. God is a miraculous God that gives us authority over darkness. But sometimes it's hard for us to remember to even take authority over the things that we're going through. It's so easy to get caught up in the things of the world. We're just trying to pay our bills. We're trying to get to work. We're trying not to have an accident on our way home. Trying to mow the yard. Trying to keep our kids from destroying our house. And it can be overwhelming. And we don't realize what's happening in the spirit realm in our own home. He's trying to divide your marriage. Have you ever been in a conversation with your spouse and for no reason you get irritated and you say something smart to them? and then they get mad at you, and then there's division? Why did that happen? Or maybe 
they're trying to do, God's trying to raise your kids up, but there's a battle going on for your children's soul. Pray over your kids. Raise up this generation. Take authority over depression in Jesus' name. Take authority over suicidal thoughts in Jesus' name. It's rampant in this, this nation. It's rampant in this generation. But God's given us authority over that. Raise your children to be mighty warriors and not fearful, timid Christians. You see, oftentimes we give all the credit to the devil. All the credit to him. He's to blame for everything. But I want to give you two things, not to assure. So number two, one, is don't assume that every problem is a result of demonic influence. Every problem's not. But also, don't assume that there's no demonic influence at all. Every time you have a problem, this is the take that I've taken. Anytime that I've had a problem with my kids, in my marriage, at my job, with the neighbors, whatever problem I may be dealing with at the time, I'm gonna do whatever's natural that's gonna help in that situation, but I'm also going to fight the spiritual battle that I'm in against the powers of darkness. So if you're battling anxiety, and it's overwhelming, and you're having panic attacks, and they're beyond what you can handle, go to a great doctor and pray that Jesus would bring healing to your emotions in Jesus' name. If you're suffering with emotional distress, someone hurt you, someone violated you, and you can't get past it, go to a great Christian counselor, allow them to lead you through the word and through healing, and take authority over any demonic oppression in your heart and your life in Jesus' name. You have a child that's rebelling and you don't, don't know what to do? First of all, you've gotta bring discipline in their life. It's okay to take their phone away. I heard a gasp from a couple of young people. Parents, I want you, it's okay. I took, the, I took my kid's phone away at times because they needed to learn right from wrong. They needed to know how to spend their time. They needed to know how to be respectful. They needed to know all these. And sometimes you just have to take their phone away. You need to monitor who they're hanging out with. But more important than any of those things, pray for spiritual protection over your kids. Everywhere they go, that they would have a hedge of protection around them. Pray. Take authority over the things that are coming their way. They need us with them. Can you say amen? Maybe you have a loved one that's battling alcohol. Get them in a Celebrate Recovery. Get them in a 12-step program, but then pray over them that God would deliver them from what they are going against because of this addiction in their life. Because God is bigger than any addiction that any of us may be walking through. Amen? If there's physically sick people around you, pray and believe. This past week, let me tell you, I was under attack because the devil knew I was gonna be preaching this message. And the devil knew that I wasn't gonna come up here and just sugarcoat this message and act like a little wimp. Oh, guys, I know the devil's bad, you know. I'm not doing that. God's given us authority in Jesus' name. We're gonna take the authority that God has given us and we will trample on serpents and we'll have this authority. Enemy wasn't happy. Every day, Pastor Tim would, Hey, how you feeling? I'm like, man, I've got a migraine that will not go away. I was sick all week from this migraine. But guess what? I'm here today because of the authority that I've been given through Christ Jesus. 
Now I want to tell you what darkness is not. Darkness is not the opposite of light. A lot of people say, oh, darkness is just the opposite of light. No, darkness is the absence of light. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus dwells within us. When we walk into a dark room spiritually, because of Jesus living inside of us, the light of the world is inside of us, we are going to light up a room spiritually because of who Jesus is in our life. John chapter one, verse five. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Anytime there's spiritual darkness, you walk into that room, you're bringing the light, because you, church, are the light of the world. As I close this message today, I asked my wife if it was okay for me to share it, and she said, whoa, and then we prayed about it, we talked it through, and she gave me some tips with how I would share this, so I'm gonna share it with her blessing. But when she was younger, she really struggled with fear, overwhelming fear, to the point where she would be in places where she thought that someone would harm her, and it, it consumed her. She thought that someone was going to kill her. So every time she would take a walk, she would be walking in her neighborhood with this overwhelming fear that someone was either gonna hurt her or someone was going to kill her. Now, as she got saved when she was young, she was probably 20 years old when she gave her life to Christ, 18, 20, right in there, and she began to be discipled in understanding who Jesus was and the authority that she had over fear. She recognized that God's not given her a spirit of fear, Fear is a spirit, but he had given her a, the power of love's power and soundness of mind. And so she began to look back at her childhood. And oftentimes, just like I talked about earlier, we open the door to darkness with just little things that may seem so innocent and not a big deal. Back in the 80s, I think the same people that made the Monopoly games, checkers, chess, they made this game, and it was a board that you could buy, and it was called a Ouija board. And it was, just, it was just packaged with all the games that all the other kids would play. And what it would be, it was like you'd play this game, and then you'd have this thing where the spirit would move your hand. And she recognized that she had played around with evil spirits and darkness, went from the Ouija board to, and this was big deal in the 80s. Everybody's looking to get this thrill, this excitement. And they would meet her in her living room with friends, and they would hold hands with candles and literally have what they thought was just playing house or whatever, but they were having seances calling in spirits. She opened the door. She opened the door to darkness. That door that she opened became fear. It became overwhelming fear, it became fear that was beyond anything that she could handle, but when she understood who Christ was in her, and she understood that God had given her authority over every demon, every dark spirit, every fearful thought, and she began to rebuke the devil, take authority over those spirits of fear, and what happened, it happened immediately. God set her free. No longer does she walk in fear. You see her come up here and share every other week? She's bold. She's a godly woman. She's strong. She's amazing. I get to live with that. 
It's, it's amazing. I, I watch her. What you see on stage, that's what I live with. She's amazing. But she had to shut that door. She had to shut the door that she had let the enemy with, and she took the authority that only God could do, and in the name of, the, in the name of Jesus Christ, demons flee. Remember, greater is the one who is in you than he that's in the world. Greater is the one that's in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us as believers and followers of Christ. Remember, church, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a position of victory. The battle has already been won. We are victorious. It's up to us to walk day in and day out. And when the battle comes, and the battle will come, remember, you win because you've been given all authority because Jesus Christ gave you that authority to overcome every demon and every work of the enemy. Ephesians 6, 12, I wanna close with this. It says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in that time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still, doesn't say you might, it says after that battle, you will still be standing firm. Church, we don't sometimes win because of Jesus Christ and the victory that we are living from Jesus Christ always wins over the battle with the enemy. Remember the authority that you have. Walk in that authority, walk in that strength, and begin to walk with the power and authority that God has given each one of us. When you wake up every day, put on that belt of truth. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Put on the feet that shed with the readiness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take up your shield of faith. Put on your helmet of salvation, and you pick up the sword of the Spirit. This is our offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the absolute truth that we know in our heart, we hide it in our heart. When the enemy comes, we have scriptures that will battle and defeat everything that the enemy tries to do and throw our way to trip us up. What does the Word say? Fear? I'm not gonna fear. <clears throat> God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and soundness of mind. Fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, be gone. And then walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in the confidence. Too many Christians are walking down, beat down by the ways of the, the evil one. You pick up the sword of the Spirit. You walk out of your house every day with the confidence of knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what his word says about you and who you are, and walk in the authority that can only come from Jesus Christ himself. We are more than overcomers, church, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a great praise offering. He's worthy today. Let me just pray for you right now. Father, I pray right now for each and every person that may be even struggling with some of these things and negative thoughts and depression, 
suicidal thoughts, and I take authority over those thoughts in Jesus' name. I take authority over depression. I take authority over suicidal thoughts. I take authority over the past hurts that's holding them back. And I loose the healing power of the Holy Spirit to flood in the hearts and the minds of your people. Father, we walk by faith and not by sight. So I pray that faith would rise up in the hearts of your people. Father, that the same God that did miracles in Bible times is the same God that's gonna bring miracles into our life day in and day out. We thank you for the power and the miracle de deliverance in each one of our lives today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed before we dismiss. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Glenn, whew, I never really knew all that. Well, let me tell you, what I was preaching today was the truth of God's word. When you understand the battle, then you know how to engage and win the battle. But everything that I was telling the church, it only applied if you are in Christ and you've given and allowed him to come into your heart and you've seen salvation in your life and then filled with the Spirit of God. All of that has to happen at the moment of salvation and surrender. Maybe you've tried to do it all yourself. Maybe you've tried to do things the world says. The world will always produce lies. Sin, it may be fun for a season, but oh, the end thereof is death. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Glenn, I truly want to know God. I want to know him. I want to know him deeply. I want to experience his forgiveness, and I want to take up the sword of the Spirit and walk in the authority of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And if that's you, no one's looking around. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But when I count to three, we, there should be no hesitation today. If that's you, to just put your hand in the air and say, Pastor Gum, will you pray for me? And I will. One, hands are already going up. Two, three. Raise it up high. Yes, yes, yes. See your hand in yours and yours. Put it up high so I can see. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. Hands going up all over. Coming to this side. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, 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 yes. People putting up boldly today. Church, look at me for just a second. We're gonna pray in just a moment but always know who you are in Christ, to know the authority that you have, and then to begin to walk in the confidence of knowing who you are and allowing God truly to be God in every area of your life. Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raised their hand today? Let's pray out loud together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross and the price that you paid for my sin Thank you for the authority that you've given me over demons, over hell, over the dark, dark world. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my heart. Today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to be my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so proud of you, church. God's on the move. Can you say amen? amen? Wow, what a powerful message from Pastor Glenn. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? Just open your hearts before him. And if you're online as well, you can just turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving.
May God bless you with deliverance from anything or any creature that would hold you captive or prisoner. May you be blessed with the freedom that is in Jesus Christ from anything that would keep you from his purpose. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, my brothers and sisters. Have a wonderful Sunday.